Welcome to Jedi Master's Degree. I'm Biggs. Today we are doing Act 3 of The Empire Strikes Back, as well as talking about the response that I got after it came out in theaters. Before we start anything else, I want to remind you that if you want to contact the show, you can do it through JediMastersDegree at gmail.com. I welcome any comments. Tell me what you like, what you don't like, and what you'd like to see in Season 2. Season 1 is in the books, but I'm always looking ahead. Also, I want to let you know that I have an Instagram account, NSF underscore network. That's where you can actually talk to me on Instagram if that's your thing. Or if you're strictly Facebook, you can do that on the Not Safe for Network page. Before we begin Act 3... I want to remind you again that I am watching the old versions of the film, not the special editions. We'll do that in season three. And so we begin on Cloud City where we see an animated backdrop. It's very clearly animated in the older version. I kind of understand why he changes stuff for the special edition. But you see like kind of a cartoon ship going by and then Leia walking back and forth in a window, like the only thing that's real in there. But we see Leia and, and Han together and they're noticing that something's wrong. And she says, I don't trust Lando. And he says, I don't trust him either, but he is my friend. Besides, we'll be gone soon. And she says, and then you're good as gone, aren't you? And he kind of gives this sad, guilty look and looks in her eyes and lets her know it ain't over. (laughs) And then Chewbacca is looking through some scrap for some reason. I don't think we ever get a reason why he's looking around here. And he notices that C-3PO's head comes through as this alien's looking at it. And he fights off all the other aliens as he's trying to get the pieces and he's really upset. And he goes and carries them in to Han and Leia. And they're trying to figure out why they found C-3PO in a junk pile. And Leia's asking Chewie if he thinks he can repair him. Han's saying that Lando's got people who can repair him. And and she says no thanks because she clearly doesn't trust him. And then Lando, of course, walks in right at that moment and's just turning on that charm onto Leia, saying, you look absolutely beautiful. You truly belong here with us among the clouds. (laughs) Big ol' softy, right? And so he's asking him if they want to get a drink, and he takes Leia's hand. And then he asks, are you having trouble with your droid? And Han says, no trouble, why? Which, for Han, really not a trouble. He genuinely does not like C-3PO. And Lando explains that they're too small to be under the Empire's control, and they're not in the mining guild. Basically alludes to the fact that they're illegal. Han's asking him, aren't you worried that the Empire is going to find out? And he says, I made a deal that'll keep the Empire out of here forever. And he opens the door, and of course we see Darth Vader sitting up at the dinner table. Not really something you want to see, especially if you're Leia, because it's going to ruin Thanksgiving. And Han pulls out his gun and shoots the corner of Vader's helmet. He force grabs the gun from Han Solo. Boba Fett comes in. And Lando said, I had no choice. They came before you arrived and apologizes. And Han says, I'm sorry too. It's kind of amazing how they just look inconvenienced as they're walking in. (laughs) Like that's as far as it goes. Luke's rushing to Cloud City to see him and reminds R2-D2 that C-3PO is with him. And we see Chewbacca in a cell just freaking out, screaming, pulling at bars. He really does not like captivity. Which probably stems from the fact that he was a slave, you know? So Chewie calms down for a minute and starts looking at 3PO pieces and puts the head onto the torso. And that's right when you see C-3PO screaming. Obviously what he was going to yell before he got deactivated. And then Darth Vader brings out 
some kind of torture device that's reminiscent of the Imperial torture droid, but not quite that. And this has a thing that brings a chair towards Han Solo. I guess it was so important that they brought their own torture chair, so that's something. Then Lando's looking on, seems very upset, pacing back and forth near Boba Fett. And Darth Vader saying, you can take Captain Solo to Jabba the Hutt when he's done. And then Lando's saying, Lord Vader, what about the Wookiee? And Darth Vader saying, you can have them, but they never leave the city. And he said, that is not the agreement we had. And Darth Vader says, perhaps you think you're being treated unfairly. Lando kind of shakes his head and says, no. And Darth Vader says, good, that would be unfortunate if I had to leave a garrison here. And Lando says, this deal's getting worse all the time. And then we see Chewbacca is working on C-3PO again. Uh, C-3PO is complaining that his eyes don't work. And then he realizes that his head's on backwards. He calls him a flea-bitten furball, and Chewie gets pissed and starts yelling at him. And then Chewie kind of deactivates him so that he can finish working on him. And that's when Han gets drug in by two stormtroopers who unceremoniously drop him on the floor and come out of the room. Han says, I feel terrible. And then Leia says, why are they doing this to us? Kind of runs her hands through his head and kisses his forehead. And Han says, they didn't even ask me any questions, which... You know, that would seem pretty weird if you didn't even get interrogated. And Lando comes in and says that Leia and the Wookiee get to stay with him. She says, what about Han? He says, Vader doesn't want any of you dead. He just wants Skywalker and that they're the bait. And then Han starts to yell at Lando, socks him across the jaw. The guards for Cloud City go to attack Han again, and Lando makes him stop and says, I tried to do everything I could. And Han tells him, yeah, you're a real hero. Then Lando goes stomping out with all his guards. And Leia tells him, you certainly have a way with people. And her and Chewie help him back up. And Vader's informed that Luke's coming in. He sets up the cryo freezing chamber and Lando doesn't like the looks of it. And he says that he's going to freeze Solo in it. And then we see Luke touching down with his X-Wing. C-3PO's upset because he's on a backpack from Chewie being carried over to the carbon freezing area. He's complaining that Chewbacca didn't attach his legs because that's C-3PO's lot in life. Vader comes down and Han says, what's going on, buddy? And Lando tells him you're being put into carbo sleep. And then Boba Fett reminds him that he's no good to him dead. And Darth Vader lets him know that he'll be compensated if he's injured. Then Chewbacca starts getting mad and hurling stormtroopers everywhere and then Han, realizing that it's a fight they can't win, tells him just to relax and to take care of Leia and tells him there'll be another time. So Chewbacca kind of looks over and realizes, okay. And then Leia looks up at Han and they kiss, maybe for the last time. I mean, unless you've seen these movies before and then you know it's not for the last time. And Leia says, I love you. And Han says, I know. Now that is a great line. Apparently, Harrison Ford had written it in a treatment to Kirshner to use that. And it had been approved, but he must have forgotten that it was there. And so they were supposed to say, I love you, and I love you too. And they tried it over and over again, and they just couldn't get it to work. And so eventually, Kirshner says, don't think, just speak in the character. So Harrison Ford said what he had actually 
put down before, although it's known as an improvisation, but it really wasn't. It was just something Harrison Ford came up with ahead of time. And so he said, I know, and it was great. And George Lucas didn't like it. George Lucas is pretty notorious for wanting to do what's on the page. And he argued and argued with Irvin Kirshner that this wasn't right. And Lawrence Kasdan thought it was perfect. He argued with him. And so finally they settled it by saying they were going to go through test screenings and they'd have one with the I love you, I know. And they'd have one with the I love you, I love you too, and see which one the audience is like the best. And so it turned out, lo and behold, they like the I know best. So George Lucas finally had to relent. So then we see Han Solo has his hands tied behind him, and then he's in the carbonite, and he gets frozen with his hands forward somehow. I never quite got an answer for that. But it turns out that he survived the freezing process. Lando confirms that he's in perfect hibernation. And then Darth Vader turns to Boba Fett and says, he's all yours. And then he says, reset the chamber for Skywalker. And then Piet comes up to him and says, Skywalker just landed. And Darth Vader says, good, see it, he makes his way here. And he says, Calrissian, take the princess and the Wookiee to my ship. And then Calrissian says, that's not the deal. And Darth Vader says, I am altering the deal. Pray I do not alter it any further. So, yep, deal's still getting worse all the time. And then you get the guy with all the robotic implants kind of looks over at Lando. I think he realizes, so you're going to do something, right? Like, you can't just let the Empire screw you around here. Everybody has a breaking point. Even Lando has a breaking point. Luke sees Han and his stone slab being carried off by a garrison of stormtroopers. He looks confused and not sure what to do and tells R2 to kind of hide behind a corner. Then Boba Fett takes a couple shots at Luke. And then Leia and Chewie are coming by and Luke sees him. Luke's behind him and he starts putting something into his watch that's on his wrist. And we see the guy with the robotic implants kind of light up. So he's signaling him for something. And then Luke Skywalker comes up behind him. And as soon as the stormtroopers turn around to look, Lando gives kind of a quizzical look. And then Leia's yelling, Luke, don't, it's a trap. And the stormtroopers take a bunch of shots at him at the corner. But Luke goes to try and follow further. So now he has had Darth Vader and Obi-Wan telling him it's a bad idea. And then Leia straight up telling him it's a trap and he still comes forward. And then he winds up in the chamber with Darth Vader. And I always thought this was really cool. The kind of dark red and dark blue that's there kind of represents the two sides of the force in a way. Then we see Darth Vader saying, the force is with you, young Skywalker, but you are not a Jedi yet. You know what? I'm not going to do the Darth Vader voice. I'm not great at it. So Luke comes up and approaches Vader, too young to be scared, and he draws out his lightsaber. And then Darth Vader slowly brings out his lightsaber, and he locks eyes with the helmet, I presume, because they can't really lock eyes together if you think about it. Luke takes a couple of shots, and Darth Vader parries it. This is actually a really good lightsaber fight. This is our first good lightsaber fight in Star Wars. Like we talked about in the New Hope episode for Act 3, it's a couple of old guys fighting. But in this one, it looks like they actually did some training. Mark Hamill does a lot of stuff where he kind of flips around. And then Darth Vader does a lot of wild swings that knocks over things. And then we cut over to see Lando disarms a stormtrooper as all the security comes around the stormtroopers and puts them with guns. And he tells them to move the security tower and keep it quiet. And he lets Chewbacca out of his handcuffs. And Leia says, you think we're going to trust you after what you did? And Chewie's strangling him. 
He's saying, I have no choice. And then she says, we don't understand, do we, Chewie? And he says, I'm just trying to help. And she says, we don't need any of your help. Chewbacca screams at him. And Lando tells him there's still a chance to save Han and tells him at the East platform. And then Leia has Chewie let go of Lando and they head over there. Boba Fett is putting Han Solo into the cargo hold. And then we see everybody run past R2 and and C-3PO saying, R2, where have you been? And he's saying, hurry, we're trying to save Han from a bounty hunter. And it's so funny watching Chewie run with C-3PO on his back because he's hardly moving at all. It's kind of nuts. Then they run out just in time to see Boba Fett's ship, the Slave One, fly off. They take a couple of shots at it. This will be one of the series of down endings that we see in Empire Strikes Back. Some stormtroopers take a shot at everybody, and we cut back to Luke and Darth Vader, and Darth Vader saying, you have learned well. Luke says, I'm full of surprises. He loses his lightsaber, so he rolls down the stairs to get it, and then we see Darth Vader kind of do a floating jump over. He says, your destiny lies with me. Obi-Wan knew this to be true, and Luke says no. And then Luke falls backwards into the cryo-freezing place. But then he manages to do this giant jump out of it just as it freezes. And Darth Vader says, perhaps you're not as strong as the Empire thought. Because he didn't see Luke jumping out. And Luke climbs up a cord and he says, very impressive. And then he cuts the cord. And then he says, most impressive. And then there's, I don't know, some kind of freezing stuff coming out of it. And he shoots Darth Vader with it. And then Darth Vader saying, Obi-Wan has taught you well. You have learned to control your fear. And he says, now release your anger. Only hatred can destroy me. So, of course, he's trying to tempt him to the dark side, right? Trying to do all the things that Yoda and Obi-Wan told him not to do. Then Luke kind of does a flip around Darth Vader, and they're sitting there thrusting and parrying. And then Luke kind of knocks Darth Vader backwards, gives a look like he's probably done for. And then he shuts off his lightsaber, and he goes down into the chamber to find Darth Vader. Turns on some lights, which is kind of a cool effect. And then he sees Darth Vader approaching him. They both have their lightsabers at the ready. And then Darth Vader starts ripping off pieces of the place around him and throwing the stuff at Luke with the Force. They keep fighting with swords. Something conks Luke on the head. Then pretty soon Luke's swinging at stuff wildly like it's a baseball bat and still getting hit. And then he hits a window that Luke's in front of and stuff just starts flying out. And Luke manages to catch a catwalk and get onto it. We see Leia and Chewie and Lando are trying to escape. And Lando goes to to open up a door and finds that the security code has been changed. And then Lando grabs a microphone and says that the Empire has taken over the city. And he advises everybody to leave before the stormtroopers take over everything. He goes to hack the terminal, but then it winds up sparking all over R2. And a stormtrooper takes a couple of shots. And like I said, after A New Hope, they're never good after the first act. They're just terrible after that. So they take four point-blank shots at Chewie and miss. And then Chewie just takes one shot and knocks him down. R2 is accessing another point and finds out that there's some maintenance schedule for the Millennium Falcon. And they shoot a bunch of stormtroopers on the way out. And then R2 sprays a bunch of smoke so that they can't see him. Chewie knocks C-3PO's head against the Millennium Falcon like twice as he's trying to get in. And then Lando covers her fire as they get into the Falcon. 
And then a C-3PO is being hauled by R2-D2 in a giant pile that's inside a net. He said, I thought that hairy beast would be the end of me. And then we see Luke out on the catwalk and he's walking down, trying to find his way back into Vader. He walks in a room with a bunch of terminals and then all of a sudden Darth Vader takes a couple of slashes at Luke. He manages to parry, but Darth Vader is hitting stuff and just cutting through computers everywhere. It clearly looks like he's going for the kill. And so they're on this really narrow catwalk going back. This is kind of what I talked about last time. It's really exciting. You see sparks flying up everywhere. And then Darth Vader points his lightsaber at him and tells him, you're beaten. Don't let yourself be destroyed like Obi-Wan did. And Luke goes to smack Vader's shot from him. And he manages to catch Vader on the arm. Vader kind of screams out. And then he manages to parry the lightsaber and then cuts off Luke's hand. And Luke's hanging back. And Darth Vader's saying, don't make me destroy you. Luke, you do not yet realize your importance. You have only begun to discover your power. Join me and I will complete your training. And of course, he's trying to tempt into the dark side. With our combined strength, we can end this destructive conflict and bring order to the galaxy. So, of course, he's deciding what the order will be. Luke says, I'll never join you. And he says, if you only knew the power of the dark side, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. And Luke says, he told me enough. You told me you killed him. And Darth Vader says, no, I am your father. And Luke says, that's not true. That's impossible. And Darth Vader tells him, search your feelings. You know it to be true. And then Luke screams out, no. And he looks down on the platform. And then Darth Vader says, Luke, you can destroy the Emperor. He has foreseen this. It's your destiny. Join me and together we can rule the galaxy as father and son. And Luke looks down at the pit again and basically decides he'd rather kill himself than join Vader. And Vader says, come with me and reaches out his hand and tells him it's the only way. And then Luke drops off into the shaft. And then somehow he gets sucked into an exhaust port and he manages to slow his fall. And then part of the port opens up and then Luke suddenly slides out. And he's hanging from this bar and realizes he's really far down. And so he's kind of hanging on the edge of an antenna. And he's trying to crawl back up it. And then he's saying, Ben, Ben, please. And he's asking Ben for help, but Ben told him he can't help him if he goes. And then he says, Ben, why didn't you tell me? I mean, is this crushing for him, right? Like, it feels like the end. And then he calls out to Leia. And then we see Leia on the Millennium Falcon with Lando, and she gives kind of a strange look. And Luke says, hear me, Leia. And then she goes, Luke? And I think this is why the brother-sister thing ultimately can work, is because they connected through the Force in this moment, so you can kind of make the excuse that she's Force-sensitive. But, I mean, pretty sure she wasn't really supposed to be his sister originally. She convinces Chewie to turn around and go to pick him up. And then Darth Vader says to bring him a shuttle. And then Lando sees Luke. And so they slow down the ship to go in underneath him and try and get him from the top hatch. And Lando is wearing Han's clothes now, which is kind of creepy. <laughs> like, I realized that the Falcon was his at one point. But dude, come on. Like, do the clothes come with the Falcon? Anyway... So they gently put the ship underneath Luke so that he can drop into the hatch. 
And then Luke drops into the hatch and gets caught by Lando right as three TIE fighters come to chase the Falcon. And Leia hugs Luke. And then you see Luke is totally beat up and not in good shape at all. While Lando takes Han's position in the Falcon and they go and try and escape the TIE fighters. Hey Biggs, um, I want to talk about this for a second. So Leia goes and he, she sets up Luke in this, uh, in this ventilator thing and then she gives him this little peck, but I just feel like it's really bad directing. Alright, I think I see where this is going, Producer Fett, but go ahead. I mean, she hasn't seen him for a while. A peck? Really? A peck? Yeah, a peck. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, don't you think? He came there to save her. He came across the galaxy to save her. Don't you think maybe like a slip of tongue? Dude, seriously, we're heading into Jedi. It just gets creepy from here. Dude, what's creepy about it? I'm just just following the thing as Lucas presented it, okay? Yeah, alright. So the Falcon goes up as it's being chased by the TIE fighters and they see a Star Destroyer. And so they decide to hit the hyperdrive. And then Chewie goes to pull the levers. There's a flash and Chewie starts to flip out and hit some panels. Lando tells him, I told him to fix it. It's not my fault. And then you see Darth Vader talking to the men and making sure that they turned off the hyperdrive from the ship. And they said, yes, Lord. And so obviously the Empire was behind screwing it up. And then meanwhile, C-3PO is very close to being fixed. He's just got to get his last leg on. And then we find out from R2 that he knows that the hyperdrive was deactivated. And C-3PO is saying you should know better than to trust a strange computer. (laughs) And then Darth Vader calls out Luke. And then Luke says, Father. And then he says, Come with me. And then Luke says, Ben, why didn't you tell me? I know that it's supposed to be a cliffhanger, but this is the moment when you watch that to me that it confirms that it's his father. Not just because they have that link, but because he literally calls him father. I don't know. There's something about it. When Luke says it, he seems to know that it's true. Just like you said, search your feelings. You know it to be true. And that's when he decides to try and kill himself. Then Vader's telling him, Luke, it's your destiny. Admiral Piet makes sure that they're ready to deploy the tractor beam. And then C-3PO is yelling at R2 because he's got one leg left and we see... R2 is putting out his little hand to try and fix the hyperdrive, and he manages to do it, and all of a sudden R2 falls back into the, uh, eh, let's just call it the Jeffries tube again. Then the Falcon goes off in hyperdrive, and Darth Vader looks out the window, looks, I guess, pissed for a moment, and then just walks away pacing, and Admiral Piet's looking like, wow, I'm about to die, aren't I? So we see the Rebels are together, and they're getting ready to do a rendezvous point at Tatooine. And we find out that Lando is going off to find out where Jabba's at, and Chewie is going with him. And then we see Luke has just gotten his arm repaired from the droid with the microphone in his mouth. And they do this cool little thing where the droid is hitting Luke's hand with the needle, and we see that he's got feeling in it, and he's got a little control panel on his arm. And so once he closes it, it looks like a hand, but we know he's closer to Vader. He's part machine now. And then Leia's kind of looking off, and Luke puts his arm around her as they look out at the sky. And so we almost saw Luke die, and there was a lot of foreshadowing that Luke would die. And that you have to wonder, there's somebody else who's a Jedi who's another hope. Han's off and frozen. 
you know, like this is not a happy ending. Like a bunch of them wound up surviving, but it's kind of a down ending for it because it's the middle of a trilogy and it really does work like a three act play. This is the rising excitement. And then Jedi is the resolution. We find out stuff about all the characters in this. I really, really love Empire Strikes Back. For my money, I think it's the best of the Star Wars movies. And I feel like trilogies are always trying to chase Empire Strikes Back after this. They never quite get there, but they always try. So when Star Wars came out, George Lucas didn't like the short film that had preceded the movie. And so Roger Christian, the art director of Star Wars, pitched an idea to George Lucas that he had for a short film. George Lucas loved it, and since it was a fantasy story, he had the short film, which wound up being called Black Angel, run before Empire Strikes Back. And so that ran, I believe, in Europe and Australia. They used to do it different than they did here, which was they always ran a short film before a feature film. You know, get a whole night out with the movies. And that short film was actually lost the time for a while. And they found it, I believe, in 2010 in some archives of, I want to say it was like Paramount Pictures or somebody like that. Somehow it wound up in this other studio. They offered to give it back to Roger Christian and clean it up because they considered it to be important since it ran before Empire Strikes Back. And I know it was on Netflix for a while, but I haven't actually watched it. But it's a fantasy story that had a princess. It, it kind of mirrored what was going on in Star Wars just enough to make sense to put before it. So The Empire Strikes Back premiered at the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. on May 17, 1980, and it was released in the United States on May 21, 1980. The film had a royal charity premiere in London at the Odeon Cinema in Leicester Square on May 20th. The event was dubbed Empire Day, a playful take on the British Commonwealth Day holiday known as Empire Day prior to 1958, where legions of stormtroopers were unleashed across the city. And the Empire Strikes Back opened midweek across 126 theaters prior to the three-day memorial holiday weekend. Compared to Star Wars' $1.5 million Memorial Day opening weekend, The Empire Strikes Back earned $4.9 million during that weekend. A lot of money for the day. And it was an average of $38,972 per theater. The figure increased a further $1.5 million during the holiday Monday to a total of $6.4 million, an average of $50,919 per theater, making it the number one movie of the weekend and moving it ahead of other movies such as the Gong Show movie, you know, that old classic movie, and The Shining, which is unironically a, a classic movie. The first release included 126 70 millimeter prints before a wider release in June 1980, which were mostly 35 millimeter prints. The 33 million budget was the most expensive movie ever at the time. It became the highest grossing film in 1980, grossing $547.9 million worldwide. So yeah, it was worth it. Within three months of the release of The Empire Strikes Back, Lucas had recovered his $33 million investment and distributed $5 million in bonuses to employees, because George Lucas is not a totally bad guy. Adjusted for inflation, it was the second highest grossing sequel of all time. Number one was The Force Awakens, weirdly enough. It was nominated for four Oscars, winning two of them for sound mixing and what would become the special effects category. Here's a weird story that we'll get more into at the special editions. 
In 2010, the film was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as culturally, historically, and aesthetically insignificant. Lucasfilm provided a reel for the special edition, and it was turned down since it was not what they asked for. And then Empire Magazine picked it on the 301 Greatest Movies of All Time, which was voted on by fans, and it hit number one on the list. So let's talk about what the critics thought. When you looked at Star Wars, most of the critics loved it, and a couple of critics hated it. It seems like with this one, just about all of them either completely loved it or wrote reviews that were positive but definitely picked at it. It did kind of seem like maybe some critics didn't like it, but they wanted to make fun of it. And then some critics like Pauline Kael were totally won over. If you remember, Pauline Kael was not a fan of Star Wars. When she was writing for the New York Times, she wrote, By far the most imaginative part of the Star Wars trilogy This middle bridging film is chained to an unresolved plot and doesn't have the leaping comic book hedonism of the 1977 Star Wars, but you can feel the love of movie magic that went into its cascading imagery. I'm not sure I'm up for seven more Star Wars adventures, but I can't wait for the next one. Arthur Knight for The Hollywood Reporter wrote that Empire Strikes Back comes so loaded with ingenious effects and characters so filled with hairbreadth escapes from devilishly devised perils and is played out against some of the most spectacular settings, some real, some studio built, that only the most churlish ticket buyer could complain that he wasn't getting his money's worth. Peter Suzuki's camera work dazzles the eyes, in particular in the climatic duel between Skywalker and Darth Vader on slender scaffolding over a yawning pit. And John Williams has once again supplied an appropriately ear-filling score. The Empire may not top Star Wars, but it certainly makes one look forward to whatever new surprises George Lucas and his band of cinematic wizards can conjure up for us. Derek Williams for The Guardian wrote, We have Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher proving once again just about sufficient for the demands of a not-very-demanding script. Anthony Daniels, Kenny Baker creating some fun with C-3PO and R2-D2, and Billy D. Williams doing quite nicely as the only substantial newcomer. The whole thing is directed by Irvin Kirshner with solid attention to multifarious detail, orchestrated by John Williams with considerable panache. In other words, a cast-iron self-evident hit, but just a tiny bit boring, perhaps? Man, I would not say that Empire's boring by any stretch, but apparently Derek Malcolm of the Guardian a little bit bored. And then James Harwood of Variety said, Responding to the audience's obvious affection for the non-human sidekicks, Empire makes full use of Chewbacca, C-3PO, and R2-D2. Among the new characters, Billy D. Williams gets a good turn as a duplicitous but likable villain ally, and Frank Oz is fascinating as a sort of guru for the Force. How this dwarvish character was created and made to seem so real is a wonder, but it's only one of many visual wonders. Mostly liked by the critics, they had their nitpicks, but it seemed like it was pretty well accepted. On Rotten Tomatoes, which isn't really accurate because they're the older ones, A New Hope was 90%. This one was 94%. It's the highest rated of all the Star Wars movies. So that is it for Act 3 of Empire Strikes Back. Join us next week when we're going to be talking about the trilogy of books, The Han Solo Adventures.
activate M3's holo projector and get marketing director Palpatine on the line. Our download should be high enough now to get a little ad revenue. Aniki. Just push that button above his XLR port. Chuba. <laughs> that never gets old. We have so many shows on the Not Safer Network. Download the entire first season of the show, Not Afraid of the Star Wars fan base, but maybe it should be? Jedi Master's Degree. Two movies enter and only one movie leaves. Listen to Box Office Battle. Learn the history of television one show at a time with the podcast In Syndication. Music, anime, pop culture, movies, TV show, and the random babbling of two dudes who need to find something better to do. Check out A Feast of Geeks. The podcast that's perfectly described with its title, Movies with Wrestlers. And download the entire first season of the radio drama about a serial killer ripped from the pages of a hundred-year-old cookbook, A Thousand Ways to Please a Husband.